This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain. Today on the podcast, we are going to talk about a word from God. We're continuing to navigate our series on revival. Uh, This is called uh, When the Supernatural Becomes Natural. Mm -hmm. And we talked last week or last time about the Holy Spirit, made a little, you know, those of us recording the podcast were nervous while we were talking about it. We should be. be. Maybe Pastor Robbie wasn't, but some of us were nervous. And we talked about that. Why? Are we so nervous about the Holy Spirit? And we talked about how you personally, um, this journey with the revival at Long Hollow that is currently happening, and we're in the midst of it right now. We're experiencing it uh, every time we meet. And when we don't meet, we're getting texted stories. We're getting emails of people in Maine and Montana and Florida and Louisiana. And it's incredible to hear about all that God is doing, but it started, um, and, and we want to be real careful here. This is not a step-by-step kit to revival. This is not a breakdown of what God is doing so that we can come back and make it into a process. We just want to recap this story because we do think that there are pastors and church members and just believers who want to hear what God has done. And it's incredible how he's done it. So you spent time, um, just to recap a little bit from last time, on the porch, seeking the Lord in a way that you never have before in solitude and silence, asking the question or or seeking, if you will, revival in your own heart and life. Yeah. A fresh anointing from God was what I was basically seeking. Here's what the Lord showed me. And we'll just kind of begin thinking here. We know more about Jesus and he was only here for 30 years. We only know about his life for really three of those 30 And yet we know less about the Holy Spirit who's been on earth in believers for over or almost 2,000 years. Now think about Mm. that. Mm. Um, And I don't know all the reasons for that, but I will say this. um, I think part of it has to be where we relinquish control of what we think we can explain. Mm. Uh, I I love Martin Lloyd-Jones. Again, we quoted him last week, but Martin Lloyd-Jones was a man who was an amazing expositor, but he was also very sensitive to the leading of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. One of the books I'm reading right now is a book by R.T. Kendall. Uh, Now, some of you may not know R.T. Kendall. I've got the privilege to meet R.T. Kendall when I first moved to Long Hollow. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, the man who used to pastor the Westminster Chapel and followed great men like G. Campbell Morgan and Martin Lloyd-Jones at the Westminster Chapel, resided in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Who knew? And the reason I knew R.T. Kendall is I wrote my dissertation when I was in seminary on the invitation. And he wrote a book that was very crucial to my my study called Stand Up and Be Counted. Have you heard of that book, Chris? I have heard of that book, actually. pretty, Pretty popular book. It was groundbreaking for him because he was at the Westminster Chapel, which was known for being charismatic in their theology and yet or or Calvinistic in their theology. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he was a charismatic. Mm-hmm. So you have this uh, interesting dynamic. But here's what Lloyd-Jones used <laughs> yeah. to say. Lloyd-Jones used to say the challenge with preaching the Bible without power is that you can be perfectly orthodox 
and perfectly useless. <laughs> you may have described several churches staff, uh, and I point the finger at myself, yes. all across America. No, we've been there. We've been there. How many lifeless sermons have you preached or heard? How many spiritless decisions have you made? Uh, how, well, how much have you done over the past year that required no faith? Here, here's a great question my discipleship group and I uh, were talking about the other day. And this is what I'll ask you. What are you doing right now that requires faith? Hmm. Because we're really good at doing a lot of things without requiring any faith. And uh, I, I was thinking about this, and I heard one pastor say, if the Holy Spirit were taken completely from your church right now, 90% of the work of your church would go on just as if it never had happened. Ooh. <laughs> think oh, about boy. that. Uh-oh. Yeah. I mean, think about that. <laughs> so I, I, it got me thinking, those are the kind of things that converge in my heart where I said, God, I am done with going through business as usual services. Mm. I am done with the routine of Christianity. I'm tired of the politics of the conventions uh, that we are part of. I'm tired of the bureaucracy. I'm sick and tired of the uh, people with the gift of constructive criticism consuming my life. And I just want more of you. And I believed that if I pressed into God, Mm. And I experience more, more of God. You got to remember that is what revival is. The, the manifestation, as I've studied revival recently, the manifestation of the marks of a revival are healings and giftings and, and uh, words of knowledge and people uh, growing closer to the Lord and people uh, hearing from God. You know, all those things are manifestations. But the purpose of our prayers, the, the, the goal of our prayers, the end of our prayers is God. Mm. We have to want more of God. I mean, that's really what we want. We just want more of God. And we're going to press in through travailing and wailing and fervent intercession mm. uh, in prayer until we grab a hold, as the uh, they say in the Old Testament, to the horns of the altar, and we're not going to let go until God moves. So I began praying for about nine, 10 months at this point. Okay. Now I will say, and we'll talk about this next week. I'll just share kind of what I've done in that 10, 11 month period. Uh, I'm taking a few guys for the first time on a retreat, uh, just close friends and guys who are a part of our ministry replicate. I'm taking them on a retreat as a kind of a preparatory time to see if this is something I can take to the masses. Cause I think a lot of people want to press into God. They want more mm. of God. They want to hear from God. They want to be led by the spirit. They simply don't know how it's foreign yeah. to us. And so I'm leading a couple of guys on a retreat uh, in two weeks, but anyway, um, we'll talk about that in the days ahead, but here's the thing that happened after 10 months of sitting with the Lord in silence and solitude, there never was a time of great fireworks. You know, I mean, I didn't have a holy visitation from the Lord, although I was open and looking for it. I have to be honest. Uh, I didn't hear a voice from God. Uh, you know, Robbie, go do that. I didn't hear any of that. Now, yeah. were there times when the presence of God was palpable on the porch? Absolutely. I mean, there were some times, Chris, after spending two hours, my, my average time with the Lord was anywhere from an hour to two hours a night. When, yeah. when there were times after two hours when I would get up from that prayer time and I couldn't even walk, I was so dizzy. 
And I'm just telling you, I told Robert, this, I told Robert this yesterday, I, I prayed so long with the Lord this weekend, I got up and almost fell down. I just felt like I was in the presence of God, just sitting wow. with God. And you don't do it for the experience, but boy, it's amazing when you have an encounter with the living God. Here's the problem with our churches today, and I'll say this before I go on. And we'll take a break and come back and I'll share the word the Lord spoke to me. But here's the problem with many in our, in our churches today, and I think you would agree. We have been sold an, uh, an intellectual faith. We have been sold an intellectual faith that is all in our head. And many so-called Christians have never experienced God. Hmm. They can answer every theological question you give them. But as, for, as far as power, as far as abundant living, as, for, as far as victory in their Christian life, that's foreign to them. And so I think many of us have settled for an intellectual, heady religion. And God is saying there is so much more if you really believe, press in, and welcome me into your life. Uh, and I think there's so much more for us. Yes. So on the other side of this break, we'll press into the word from God. But I do want to just say that I do think everyone who comes to Christ experiences that power in that moment. And then maybe for some of them, they never experience it like that again. I think that's a, a cycle that is at play in our uh, modern American churches. Uh, on the other side of the break, we'll come back and talk about the word from the Lord. As you lead your disciple-making movement, the Replicate Network provides ongoing practical training and a community of like-minded church leaders to help you and your church thrive. Each month, you'll get frameworks, a Q&A time with Robbie Gallaty, and access to our online forums and groups. We will provide you with prayer and personal support, practical resources, discounts, and benefits as you seek to make disciples who make disciple-makers. Check out the Replicate Network today at replicatenetwork.com. And we're back. We are talking about a word from God today, and we have navigated some very uh, challenging waters as we've been talking through this uh, revival at Long Hollow. And we just wanted to, uh, we just want to make sure you understand that uh, we know that this can challenge your faith. We know that this can challenge your orthodoxy, but we're not talking about anything that's unorthodox. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would argue we're pretty, uh, I would say we're pretty sound theologically. But what you're alluding to when you're talking about some of this stuff, and, you, and you're going to lean into this more, is that we've missed God to some extent when we've hidden behind our theology. And we have fully embraced Jesus and we're totally okay with Father God, but we have not, we, we've shied away from the Holy Spirit, or at best, we've kind of watched him from across the room because we're just unsure. We don't know what to do. Um, so as we continue with that, just wanted to, to kind of clarify a little bit on where we're at in this series. Well, so that's a good clarification because um, we are in uncharted territory as well. You know, it's not like we have a rule book to follow. And I think what's happened to me, just full disclosure, my own life, is that I saw, like you, some of the manipulative, manipulative shenanigans that can happen with um, 
a manifestation or so-called manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So we have seen some bad examples of that. We've mm -hmm. seen them on television. We've yep. heard about them. We've read about them. So the natural inclination is to swing the pendulum to the opposite extreme. So that's what we've done. I know we do that as Baptists. We've done that uh, in other denominations as well. So we swing and we say, listen, that's bad. So let's not even go there. But my response to you is this. Have you ever heard someone give a bad presentation of a gospel invitation and said, you're going to hell, fire, hell and brimstone, you turn or burn, today's the day, now or now. And you're like, wow, I would never share the gospel like that. Wow, the gospel is Jesus died in love and a gift. And wow, that, that, that seems, yeah, yeah, it's hell and damnation, but what a great gift we have. So you think I would never share like that. That is a bad example of sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. Just because you heard a bad example of sharing the gospel doesn't hinder you from sharing the gospel again. True. You and I have heard bad sermons by people and we thought, wow, that is really bad. What is this guy doing? That's a lot of eisegesis. He's taking apart the text unbiblically, but it doesn't preclude us from preaching. So just because there are bad examples, we should not shy away from really pressing into God and believing the Holy Spirit can work and asking for an outpouring of God, a touch of God, the presence of God. So um, one of the things I, I think I've realized, too, in my own life, um, there has to come a point when you have to relinquish control. Mm. There's a reason Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, he must deny himself, pick mm. up his cross daily and follow me. As uh, Dr. Tozer used to say consistently, when a man carries a cross out of town, you know one thing that he's not coming back. <laughs> so I think many of us have carried a cross, but we're coming back with the cross because we haven't died to self and we haven't relinquished control. So the Holy Spirit was teaching me just through praying and seeking him. You've got to relinquish control. And what God did over 10 months, Chris, I have to say this, hmm. God revealed to me in silence and solitude. It was brutal. I mean, I'm just telling you, would I do it again? Yes. But boy, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, roses and gardens and flowers, it was brutal. What the Lord began to do as I opened myself up to him, God reveal in me places of pride that I don't see. God reveal in me self-righteousness. God reveal in me places that need uh, to be relinquished to you. God reveal to me ways I take credit. God reveal to me ways I've been jealous. One of the things, Chris, and another sidebar here, the Lord's given me a lot with this, but I think one of the reasons, Pastor, if I could speak to you personally, if you're a staff member, leader in your church, one of the reasons you're not seeing revival is because of your jealousy. Hmm. And I speak this with a lot of love today, but and the reason I know you're jealous about other churches is because I am too. And God had to really work on me. Has he eradicated it completely? No, but boy, I didn't realize how jealous I was. And you would think, Chris, at the size of church we're at and what God was doing over the past few years and the opportunities we've had and the books we've been a part, you would think, what could you possibly be jealous of? Hmm. But the human heart is deceitful and above all things, desperately wicked. Yeah. Who can understand it, right? There's no one righteous, no, not one. So I would say... What we need to do is we need to allow God to eradicate sin and selfishness and control and pride mm. and jealousy. And I think God had to get me as the pastor of Long Hollow to a place 
where he could see if he could use me. See, see, here's how the Lord works in faith. God sets up a small barrier when you start in the Christian life. It's like a small hurdle of faith. Mm. And he says, all right, let's see if Chris can cross the barrier. And then when Chris trusts God in the small things, it's kind of like a high jump participant. They raise the bar. Mm. He's like, all right, if he trusts me in the little thing, let's raise the bar a little higher. See if he'll trust me in this and trust me in that. And you got to remember, testing from God is never meant to break us down. It is always meant to build us up, always. So God's not testing us to see what's in us. He knows what's in us. Yeah. He is testing us so that we know what's in us. Hmm. See the difference? So yeah. that we know what we're made of. That's why he tested Abraham 10 different times uh, in, in total, because he had a testing with little things before he could test him with his son. And when God had tested him enough and sent the son, he knew Abraham would pass the test. He knew it. And he just wanted to make sure Abraham knew it. So I would say God had to break me of all those things. So even now you may say, God, shine a searchlight on my heart. I just want to tell you, it takes a lot of courage to do that, Chris. It really does. Well, and I, and I, and watching you, I would also say it's not a one-time deal. You can't just pray this prayer one time. And then say, okay, thanks for showing me that. I'm going to confess and move on. That That's my protocol. It's like, all right, I got it. It's over, moving on. But what you're saying is this is a long process, maybe a lifetime of sanctification. Yes. <laughs> if only we would listen to what we teach, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, think about it. Let's be honest. I mean, just think about this. Do you think God can remove a mountain of sin over a multitude of years in your heart and life of habits and uh, attitudes and anger and dis you think God has time to do that in a three or five minute prayer? He, no, God I, can do anything. I right. get that. God can change the yeah. heart in a moment. But what I'm saying is where are the people who are going to agonize in prayer? Mm. Where are the pastors and leaders who are going to be in anguish over our country? Not in anger. A lot of people can mm. be angry. And you can have righteous anger, but right now it's not the time for that. We need righteous anguish where mm -hmm. people are weeping over the sin of the country, weeping over the sin in their churches, weeping over the sin in their own family, weeping over the lostness of their children. I mean, that's the kind of revival praying I'm talking about. So mm -hmm. there I was on the porch. It was a Tuesday leading up to the Sunday before Christmas. Now, let me remind you just to put in the context, this would... This would be, as we planned, the last Sunday Long Hollow would meet in person for the next four weeks. Uh, we had gotten multiple calls from uh, doctors and um, people in the emergency room and COVID unit directors and hospital CEOs. Members of our church. Members of our church just saying, hey, could you help us with the curve? Long Hollow at the time was the largest gathering in a 30, 40 mile radius. I mean, we were the largest gathering at the time, just people in the room. And so we decided to go online. And I say that to say what happened at Long Hollow, what's happening over the past few weeks happened in COVID, happened with a mask mandate, happened with uh, people being shut in their homes and happened while online. That's what makes this pretty amazing. It all started with a word from God. I was sitting on a Tuesday night and as I was praying and seeking the Lord, normally I sit in silence and solitude for an extended period of time. And right toward the end, I heard it, Chris, as clear as day in my head, hmm. spontaneous baptism. Hmm. 
Now, I know what you're thinking right now, because I was thinking the same thing. How do you know it's the voice of God? How, how did you know that was God and not you? And the illustration I'll give you is this. When you're outside playing with your friends down the street, Chris, and your mom yells your name, hmm. you know that voice distinctively, right? Yes. When your mom calls your name, you ah, that's me. Or when your mom speaks, like my mom, she's kind of loud. I love her, but she's kind of loud. So I can hear her across the store. You know, I can hear the voice of my mom because I've spent time with her. Mm. And people ask me, how do you know that that was the voice of God? And my response is I've spent 10 months listening and tuning my ear to the voice of God. Mm. I knew without a doubt this was the Lord. Now, here's where we're going to leave you for next week. I had a choice. You got to understand, I've never done spontaneous baptism in my life before. I've never I have even looked upon it unfavorably. As I've even pastor. laughed. Yeah, I've even looked at other churches who were trying to prime the pump with spontaneous baptism and threw stones at them like some of you may do for us. Man, these guys are crazy. That's the dumbest thing. I've never. Did. Well, <laughs> the Lord spoke to me and I began to say, Lord, how in the world can we pull this off? This is Tuesday services in a few days and it's Christmas. My staff are off. They're, they're, they're normally out of town. How are we going to pull this off? And I felt like the Lord respond, you be faithful and obedient. I'll show up. Mm. And next week I will share what happened when I shared with you and the other two lead team members on a Thursday night, two and a half days or two days before the Sunday morning service that I want us to do spontaneous baptisms on Sunday morning at Long Hollow. And I need them to go out and find every pair of shorts and t-shirts in town in the middle of winter. Well, that is quite the cliffhanger. You'll find out more about that story next time on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend and rate us. Give us five stars if you really enjoy it, wherever you listen to your podcast. Can't wait to see you next time here. And until then, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.